Um, we're going to start tonight with a one particular verse, and it is Proverbs 23, 7, and it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man or as a woman thinks in their heart, so is he. Now, what does that mean? Your opinion of yourself, your view of yourself, your the way you think about yourself has a, a very large impact on your actual life. Now, I'm going to have Kurt come up here. I'm going to pick on Kurt. Yeah, Kurt. I'm going right. to have Kurt come up here. And, um, I had a guy do this to me the other day, and my wife was there, and I did not believe that it would work, but it did. And it was a very interesting little experiment. So we're going to do this kind of on the fly. We haven't rehearsed this. He doesn't know what I'm going to ask him to do. Right. Don't be worried. It's fine. I promise not to hurt you too bad. Okay. I read that. What's your shooting arm? I'll use the other one. Okay. Good. Okay. You shoot with your right, right? So we'll use your left then. Okay. How's that? Because he has a game. I saw him hit a three-pointer the other night. So that was good. It was splashed right through. Anyway, so as you talk to yourself, it has an impact, okay? So if you say about yourself things like, oh, you big dummy, or something like that, every time you make a mistake, that's not a good thing. And I know firsthand because I've done it so many times, okay? So I've done it wrong so many times. I know how to do it wrong. So we're going to do a little demonstration of how to do it right. Kurt, I want you to say... I am strong 10 times. I'm strong. Say it like you mean it. I'm strong. I'm strong. No, say it like you mean it. I'm strong. I'm strong. I am 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 strong. You are strong. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever see the movie? The movie about uh, the Jamaican bobsled team? Cool Runnings. Then I won't go there. All you people who have seen Cool Runnings. Yaman. I am one bad mother, right? That's what he says. So, I'm going to push down your arm. Remember what you say? I am strong. I am strong, right? Hold it up as hard as you can, and I'm going to push down. Very hard. I'm going to push down hard. You got it? Ready. I'm ready? Ready. Okay. I'm pushing down, but I can barely push it down. Okay, now say, I am weak. I am weak. I'm 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 weak. Say it. I'm weak. Okay, that's about this many. Say it three, five more times. I'm weak. I'm weak. I'm weak. I'm weak. I'm weak. Now put your arm up. Here we go. Ready? Hold it up as much as you can, but remember you're weak. Remember that you're weak. Hold it up. Come on. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. This is ridiculous because I'm not pushing anywhere near as hard. Now, I don't understand how that works. I really, truly, with absolutely honest, I did not push as hard this time as I did last time, and this time it just kind of went right down. Why did that happen? You can go ahead and sit down. By the way, you're strong. His confession, now something as simple as that, 
His confession, his body was obeying his confession. He had said, I'm strong, he's strong. Now, I think he's strong naturally, but when he said, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak, okay? I'm just doing that as a simple example. I don't mean that, it, you, you know, you have to run around and saying all kinds of crazy stuff. But what I'm saying is, what you say about yourself matters. And what, as a man thinks in his heart, Scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what happens when you get those thoughts that say, oh, I'm, I'm just dumb, I can't do anything right. Why doesn't anything go, ever go right for me? When you get a thought like that, what should you do with it? Turn your Bible, if you would, to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. We don't have anything plugged in because we weren't, uh, nobody was here earlier. So we're gonna just gonna do this old school. So old school, look it up on your phone, right? 2 Corinthians 10, it says, starting with verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ being ready to punish disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And then verse seven, do you look at things according to their outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. Now he says, do you, do you look at things according to their outward appearance? Because if you do, you're making a mistake. So you can't just judge things based on their outward appearance. And the Bible says right there that we've got to take every thought captive. And if you have a thought that's different than what God says about you, that you need to reject that thought, that that thought is not from God. So if you have a thought and your, thoughts, and your, your thought says, I'm just no good. Well, you know what? That is, a, that is not right thinking and therefore, you have to cast that thought down and say, no, I have great value. I am worth so much that Jesus died for me. God sent his only son to die for me. That's how much I'm worth. Because you know what? Something of value is not based on, the value of something is not based on some intrinsic thing. The value of something is based on what someone will pay for that thing. That's, that's true. If you're ever going to sell a car, somebody might say, what's that car worth? I, my answer is always the same. Whatever someone will give me for it. That's what it's worth. Or what I'm, whatever I'm willing to take for it or whatever someone will, is willing to give me for it. Now, I wasn't planning to do this, so you have to forgive me while I dig out a $20 bill. Hopefully I have one. Do I have a $20 bill? I have a $10 bill. I don't have a $20 bill. I give them all to my son. There we go. I wish I had a 50 or something, but all I got's a 10. Do you have a 20? No. Okay. All I have is a $10 bill here. $10 bill. See, that's it, $10 bill. Now, what's this $10 bill worth? $10. It'll get you, it'll get you a, a supersized Wendy's meal. That's all it'll get you today. Probably is about a supersized Wendy's meal or supersized something at Burger King. That's a 20? No, I don't want to give away $20. Let's give away 10. $10. Now, what about this? What's it worth now? Spit on it. 
crumple it up, throw it on the ground, step on it. <clears throat> okay. <gasps> breathe on it. What's it worth now? What's it worth now? What's it worth now? But it's, but it's been abused. But it's been, but it's been spit on and, and this, and you still want it. Hold it, but, but it's been abused. It's, I'll step on it again. What's its value? Who wants it? Does anybody want it? Matt want it? You better get up here if you want it, Matt. Who's gonna take, nah, it, uh, here we go. Here we go. What's it, Matt? Matt, I gotta give it to Matt. He's gonna have a baby. I gotta give it to Matt. There you go. See now, you, oh, he's gonna put it in the tithe bucket. Now, my point is this. My point was this. That had perceived value even though it had been abused. Right? I mean, I stepped on it, spit on it, breathed on it, did all kinds of disgusting things to it, and he still wanted it. Why? Because it still had value. So the value that you have to God does not diminish based upon the bad experiences or the fact that maybe somebody treated you poorly or maybe you've had someone abuse you or he had something bad happen to you or maybe you failed. Your value does not get diminished based upon the abuse that you've suffered or the failures that you've had or anything else. It has nothing to do with your value. Your value is set because God thought you were worth so much he gave his only son just for you. And your value is there. So when, that, when those thoughts come, you've got to say, no, I have value because God says I have value. And these little red books, they're still around. And I would say just meditate who you are in Christ. You just need to just constantly renew your mind how much value that you have to God. I mean, it goes right down I've been sent to the word. I'm sanctified by the truth of God's word. I am the called of Jesus Christ. I am beloved in God. I am a saint of God. Just saying those things about you, you know what it does? It's like what happened to Kurt. You start saying, I'm the called of God. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm without blemish in God's eyes. You know what happens? You get strong. You start saying, oh, I'm just no good. I can't make a good decision. And you know what happens then? You get weak, right? So we've got to go to what God says about us, not just what we feel or what we think or what things have been happening around us. See, it's all about what God says about us. What, what does God say about us? Oh, then it talks later in that same chapter about that we don't commend ourselves, but we are being commended by God. Verse 18, it says, For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. See, the Lord has commended you. He has put his seal of approval. You know, you've seen the good housekeeping seal of approval. Well, you have got the seal of the blood of Jesus. That seal of approval is upon you, and you're approved. 
You're approved. You have better than the good housekeeping seal. You have the blood of Jesus as the seal of approval on you. And you don't need men to put their seal of approval on you because you have got God's seal of approval on you. That he thinks you're awesome. He thinks, he, that's what he thinks about you. He thinks you're the best thing ever. And no matter what somebody else might think, no matter what other people's opinions are, that's the truth about you that he thinks, he thinks you're amazing. And sometimes we have things happening in our lives and things that maybe uh, set us up to, th to think less favorable about ourselves or maybe things have been hanging around for a long time. You know, Mark 9, 21 is, is one of my favorite passages about healing and about Jesus interacting with people because it, it, it shows so many facets of, of Jesus when he was on the earth. Jesus is going through the town and he, he comes across this, this man and he tried to get the disciples to help him with his son and nothing helped. And then we'll pick it up in verse 21 where he says, so Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father said, since childhood. Now, many times when things have been going on a very, very long time, we tend to think that it's just the way I am and it actually becomes part of our identity. So for instance, if someone has always had a, you know, a, an Eeyore kind of an attitude, they think, oh, it's just the way I am. I'm just a half-empty kind of guy. And, you know, what, what that was is really, though, is they, they were trained to think that way. They were, they were somehow through their experiences in their life or people or somebody helped them to look at the dark side of everything. And the reality is if you've been in something or you've, you've been experiencing something for a very long time, Many times it's hard to break out of it. It actually becomes part of your identity. I know that I, I have a family member that she was sick as a child and she was sick almost her whole childhood and then now she's, in a, she's older and she's still like prone towards sickness and surgery all the time. It's like I've tried to minister to her. God's healed her numerous times. And she always goes back to that setting of sickness. Why? Because it's like she's identified that as who she is. Oh, it's just, that's just what I am. I always have this. And we've tried to work with her for so many years, and it's like, I don't know how to help her because she just won't grab a hold of it. I think she can. She just hasn't yet, you know. But it's been literally 40 years and still... Um, she just grabs, always gravitates toward that. Why? Because she was always sick as a child and that's how she got her identity was she was the one that was always sick. And now as an adult, she's still always sick. So is there hope for her? Absolutely. But the point is, no matter how long you've been in the situation where you are, don't take that thing as your identity because that's not who you are. If that sickness or that situation is, is upon you, shrug it off and resist it because it's not who you are. Get back into the word. Now, not, that, not just this red book, but it's a good summary for you. To find out who you are in Christ outside of whatever it is that you're dealing with because you're not the sick 
trying to get healed. You have already been healed and the enemy's trying to keep you sick. Just that little switch in your mind and the way that you look at things can change everything. You are not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed based on what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago and the enemy's trying to make you sick or the enemy's trying to make you a failure. You are successful. You are smart. You are you, you have a destiny and the enemy's trying to trip you up and, and try to talk you into being less than what God has made you to be. You are more than a conqueror. That's who you are. That's your identity. Your identity is that what God says about you, that's what you are. And this other thing that comes around, no matter how long it's been there, for this particular person, that his son had been sick for, since he was a child, it says, from childhood. And then verse 22, it says, and often he has thrown him in the, both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. So obviously this was a demon, okay? If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, verse 23, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, that is one of the most important verses in the Bible, it says, if you can believe, this is a blank check, people. It says, if you can believe, how many things are possible? All things are possible to him who believes. So how do you believe? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Get a hold of the promises of God. So let's go on here. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. The father of the child cried out and said through his tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people, when Jesus saw that, the people came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, said to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him and he became as one dead. So many said, he's dead. Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? Now, I'm not gonna go through the rest of it, but it says, the father cried out and said through his tears, Lord, I believe, help, you, help thou my unbelief, it says in the King James. So I love this particular passage because it says, I believe, that's his choice. He says, but I'm dealing with some unbelief that's his mind. So he's dealing with two different parts of his soul there. It's his mind, his will, and his emotions. He's saying, my, in my mind I'm having doubts, but I choose with my will to believe you. I choose with my will to believe you, for it says, with my heart and my will, I choose to believe you, but my mind I'm having some doubts. He said, I believe Help my unbelief. So he's saying, I choose with my will to believe you, Jesus, that all things are possible, that you can help me. Now I'm having some doubts in my mind because these other cats over here, they tried to get help them and, and they couldn't, but I'm, I'm just overriding my noodle now and I'm choosing to believe with my heart. He's being like Abraham who hoped against hope. He, he, though he, consider, though he, was, he was dead and his wife was also dead, he chose to believe that God was able to do what he had promised and give him a nation 
Give him a great nation out of a barren womb. See, Abraham believed that in Romans chapter 4. Even though everything around him looked different, it said he considered not his own body dead, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he considered him, God, faithful who had promised to make him a great nation. See, he had to deal, Abraham, Abraham had to deal with doubts in his mind, but he chose in his heart to believe God. So just because you have a doubtful thought in your mind doesn't mean you're in unbelief. You cast down that vain imagination, you bring it into obedience unto Christ, and you choose to believe God's word over any thought, over any experience, over anything you've ever had in your life before. You choose to believe God's word. Because that's the truth. If you believe, all things are possible. Now, in Psalm 78, it says that, they, that the Israelites limited God by, their, by, their, by not remembering what God had done for them. Let's turn your Bible to Isaiah, or not Isaiah, Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verse 41. We're gonna talk about how to not limit God for a minute so that God can work in your behalf. Psalm 78, 41. I looked this up on my phone, not my Bible. Here we go. <clears throat> Starting with verse 40. This is talking about the Israelites. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and they grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God they limited the Holy One of Israel. Verse 42, they did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he worked his signs in Egypt and in wonders in the field of Zoan and turned their rivers into blood and their streams that they could not drink. He sent swarms of flies among them. He goes through all the, all the um, 10 plagues of how he delivered them. But yet when they were out in the wilderness, they did not remember all the mighty things and therefore they limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they limit him? By not remembering all the great things that God has already done in their lives. Now, I'm just gonna open it up since we have a, 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 a little group here tonight and I'm gonna say, somebody tell me, remember something great that God did in your life in the past. I'll call you one, but I just want some people to tell me, what has God ever done for you? Somebody, Tim. Uh, my wife in labor with Jojo, Jojo flipped, and that's awesome. There you go. So God did a miracle and flipped the baby in the womb during delivery. Beautiful. What has God ever done for you? Somebody, say something. Somebody. Go ahead, Jared. There you go. He did, just recently. Yeah. Another one. <laughs> go ahead. There you go. I believe that's true, and I believe I'll, I'll take that one. If I ever fall, angels will catch me. <laughs> yes, sir. Anybody else? Something good, awesome that God did in your life? Go ahead. Ten bucks right here. There you go. See? I was able to help God do that. That's good. He used me to do that. That's good. Well, for me, God, God has healed me so many times. And one in particular, I had, had holes in my, in my um, colon. I had 
chronic ulcerative colitis. I had ulcers up and down my colon. I came forward at, the, at this church at the other building, and I, had, I was waiting in line to see Pastor Dwayne and then um, Royal Harvey, who is no longer with us. He's in heaven. He came to me and he said, get over there and have him pray for you. And I said, but I want Pastor Dwayne. I was young. I was like 22. That was a couple years ago. <laughs> Don't laugh so hard. <laughs> Only like 35 years ago. So, hey, whatever. But I, so I went over to, away from Pastor Dwayne to this other guy who had just been saved of only as long as I was. It was Eric Harvey, who's now pastor, um, helps up at Nuevo uh, Resonate Church. Anyway, so he, all he did was he took some oil, he put a cross on my forehead, he put his hands on me and said, by Jesus' stripes, he's healed, and, and we command his body to be healed. That's all he did. And I was like, dude, I know I can pray better than that. What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, come on, man. You can do better than that. And the Lord basically rebuked me and said, listen, Pastor Dwayne didn't take, didn't take the stripes at the whipping post, and Eric is not going to heal you. I am the one that heals you, so you received prayer. You had hands laid on you. You were anointed with oil. Go back to your seat. So I did just that, and over the next couple hours, I just kept on standing on the Word. Nothing happened immediately, but within about an hour and a half, almost two hours later, I was sitting there, I had a terrible, terrible headache because I had a very, very bad infection in my body. I was probably gonna go to the hospital that night if nothing happened because I had so, uh, such high fever and I was in a very, very bad condition. And I probably should have already been in the hospital according to my mother, but long term, uh, it's fine. But I was sitting actually in a restaurant and I couldn't even, I couldn't open my eyes, so I had my hands over my eyes like this because I had such a bad migraine, I couldn't even see, couldn't, couldn't have light, so I was like, like this. And I blessed the food that I had ordered, which would have sent me into the hospital if I'd have ate it. Um, so I took some steps, um, wise or unwise, I took some steps. And um, while I was praying over the food, I opened my eyes and literally all my pain was gone. And I ate the food and there was no adverse effects. And that night I stayed up, literally did not go to sleep. I stayed up just thanking and praising God the entire night. Never even went to sleep because he had completely healed me. I went to the doctor two days later, four days later, and they did what's called the sigmoidoscopy. You don't want to know what that is. And they took pictures of my colon, and they said, you have a brand new colon. The Lord gave me a brand new colon when some kid who really didn't know any more than me laid hands on me and anointed me with oil. God gave me a brand new colon. So when I'm having some issues with other things, what I got to do is I got to go back and say, God, if you could give me a brand new colon, you could certainly fix my back. I mean, if you could literally give me a brand new colon, which you could. So what does it say here? The Israelites, they didn't remember all the miracles. And then when trials came, they tempted the Lord by complaining and whining that their things weren't perfect. So I, I fast forward that into our own lives and say, man, when things aren't perfect, 
in your own life, make sure you don't whine and complain about it because really what you're doing is you're tempting the Lord. Lord's going, really? You don't trust me? You still don't trust me? After all I've done, you still don't trust me. You know, that's, what, that's what God's saying. He's not mad at you. He's just saying, hey, haven't I done something for you? He said to the Israelites, you don't remember that I turned the river into blood? You don't remember that I sent flies? You don't remember that I split the sea? You don't remember that I drowned Pharaoh and his army? And now you're complaining because you don't like the food I'm giving you every day from heaven? You can fill in the blanks there. But God, it says they limited the Holy One of Israel by not remembering what he had done for them. And I say, Lord, I don't, forgive me for limiting you, number one. Forgive me for, because he is as limited as we make him in our lives. We set the boundaries. Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. Anything is possible to him who believes. But yet we say, oh, God can't do that. Oh, this is what's happening. Blah, 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 right? But Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. All things. It's possible. Somebody says, well, I'm, I'm believing God for this. I don't ever want to be the one that says, oh, that's, not, that's ridiculous. You could never do that. I don't want to be that guy. Someone says to me, hey, I'm believing God for this. I said, amen, brother, go for it. Because I don't want to be the one that says, no, that's not possible. Because you know what? If, if, you'd, if you'd have said 20 years ago, some of the technological things that are happening today, if you just said that we're going to have thermostats that are going to be controlled by your cell phone, you could start your car with your cell phone. If you just said that 30 years ago, you just said, yeah, whatever, Jetsons or what here? What are we talking about here? But yet it's all happening. And that's just technology. What about God? He's so far beyond that, it's not even funny. He spoke and the worlds were created. Jesus talked to a lame man. He stood up. He laid his hands on a, on a blind man. The man saw. He stuck his fingers in the ears of another deaf guy, and the guy could hear. He spit and went like this on a, guy, on a guy who couldn't talk, on his tongue, and the guy could talk. That's some pretty crazy stuff. I'd say all things are possible to him who believes. So what we've got to do when we're tempted to limit God, when we're tempted to say, oh, yeah, but I've always been this way, and oh, but it's always, see, look at my parents, they're like that. Look at my grandparents, they're like that. You know what you got to do is say, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Don't matter if my parents think that way. Don't matter if my grandpa thought that way. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. I think like Jesus. I don't think like my parents or my grandparents. I think like Jesus, and I have the mind of Christ. All things are possible to me because I believe. Start saying that. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Let the, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. You may feel weak. You know what he says to that? Great, say, I'm strong. If you feel weak, say, I'm strong. If you feel poor, say, I'm rich. <laughs> if, you feel, if you feel hopeless, say, Christ in me is the hope of glory. Every time you feel something, say what God says instead. Don't say what you feel. Say what God says instead. I feel, doesn't matter what I feel. Christ in me is the hope of glory. I have hope because Christ is in me. I have hope. 
There's never, you're never hopeless as long as you're in Christ. You're never hopeless. You always have hope. So Christ is in you, the hope of glory. We can remember, we can remember that God has provided for us. He's made provision. We can remember that he's protected you. I mean, I should have been dead so many times. It's not even funny. Go, drove, off a, drove off an eight-foot embankment going 50 miles an hour into the woods, and I walked away without a scratch. And I'm like, how'd that happen? Well, that was called angels and uh, prayers, and uh, not my prayers, but other people's prayers. Other times, get T-boned with a guy going 50 miles an hour right in my door. Happened twice. Once a drunk driver. Uh, never got hurt once. I mean, 50 miles an hour, drunk driver runs a stop sign, hits me right in the door. Don't get hurt. How's that work? I don't know. I was in a little car, all mangled. Both the cars were totaled, walked away, not hurt. Why? Uh, probably because my parents prayed over me every day and they were praying Psalm 91 over me. You know, there, there's no other explanation, see? And so every time I turn around, God, God has provided for us. God has protected us. God has always blessed us. So when we're feeling unprotected, remember what God, if you're feeling unprotected, remember how God protected you. If you're feeling like you got lack, remember all the blessings that God has given you over the past. If you're feeling like you don't have direction, remember how God directed you very specifically in your life. And, and even when you don't even know you're being directed, you're being directed because his loving hand is, is directing your steps. It says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. It says the, the steps of the righteous. It's like God is going in front of you with, a, with like a, a, a stick and he's making a groove for your, for your ball to roll in. You know, it, it, he's just going in front of you and just kind of making a way for you to go. So you can just kind of go, oh, yeah, that's where I should go. Okay. And God's going before you and making a way where there isn't a way. God has a plan and it's a good plan for our lives. Psalm 37, 25, I'm going to wrap it up. Psalm 37, 25 says, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You know what? God has made a promise and David remembered. He said, I was, I was young once and now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God is always going to provide for us. He's, always, he's already made provision for every single thing that you need, whether it's, whether it's healing in your body, direction. God has already been to where we're going. It's like that's the thing that blows my mind is that God is outside of time. He's already seen our tomorrow. He's already been there, and he's already made provision for us. He's already seen, he's already, he's already been in our tomorrow because he's outside of time. He is not linear like us. God is outside of time. And uh, he's made provision. He's made every single thing that you need, he's made provision for. And all we need to do is thank him and ask him to, to, to order our steps so we can walk in the center of his will and walk in the middle of his provision, his healing, his direction, everything in our life. He's provided everything we need, that, everything that pertains to life and godliness. He has already made provision for us in his death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he's already made provision.
So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the encouragement in your word. We thank you for the identity that we have through Jesus Christ. That we are not our own, but we were bought with a price. That we are not our own, but you paid the ultimate price. You set our value when you, when you sent Jesus, the King of heaven, to humble himself and to be abused, to be ashamed, to be hurt, rejected, and every other punishment that there could be. He bore all that punishment for us. I thank you that he shed his blood as the payment for our sin. And that when he rose again, he rose in power, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And that, Father, we are in Christ, so we have victory over death, hell, and the grave through Jesus Christ. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace to us. We thank you for our identity, that we are strong, that we are righteous, that we have everything we need and that you've made provision for us in every single area of our lives. Thank you that you are a good father. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.